House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back, everyone, to the House of Run podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is the email address. I am Kevin. He is Jason. Got a busy show. Going to preview the World Indoor Championships. Going to talk about a indoor 400-meter world record that lasted a day or pending approval. Never really yeah. happened, but it sort of did. Uh, Noah Lyles' contract, Michael Johnson's latest initiative, and we will, of course, Read emails. Many of those emails, Jason, are about the long jump, believe it or not. Yeah. And the new long jump rules. I like it. Got people uh, on yeah, both it's sides. It's going to be an interesting one. I think people are, you know, people have strong takes on it, which is which is good. Or As I read each email, I was like, yeah, they're right. The and then jump. I'd read the other one, I'd be like, oh, no, wait, they're right. And I realized I have a hard time. I, I'm, I'm still, still leaning towards old I, school, but um, some some good arguments. It was – I'm just glad we got people on both sides so that way I right. don't need yeah. to be the other side because that, be, that would be annoying and I don't want to do that. So we'll start off first. Uh, you want to talk about this uh, Formula World record from Christopher Morales yeah. Williams, 44 – 49. Uh, what do you, 44 – 49, which is faster than Michael Norman's – world record kind of meter indoor time when he was in college which was <laughs> which is also not a world record and faster than Karan Clement's time which was the world record Morales sophomore at Georgia uh, 19 years old last year didn't make the NCAA championships outdoors like didn't make it to the to the finals went out in the prelims his outdoor time a second slower than what he ran indoors did this at SECs uh, represents Canada but didn't have electronic blocks, so a day or two later we found out it actually wasn't going to count for a world record. Just a really fast Yeah, time. no, I, it's – I mean, at this point, I'm kind of hoping like eight more people break this over the next few years and none of them get ratified. And we're just – like Clement just still holds <laughs> on to this, but then we're list. like down to like 44-2. Um, just for – just, you know, just to, to point out kind of some of the ridiculousness of this. Obviously, you know, maybe 400 indoors isn't like a uh, – inner circle record but you run 44 4 indoors you run 44 4 outdoors you're like probably a favorite to make an olympic final at this point um men's 400 not in the best spot right now and assuming he can get faster um outdoors you know and he's 19 so like tracks that that you know might be having a breakout kind of thing like legit could be a medal contender. Like we don't know because like there's nothing, there's almost nobody you feel good about coming into this year uh, in the 400. Not at all. I was going to say he may have lost the world record, but <laughs> right? he became the gold medal favorite. <laughs> Christopher Morales Williams, come on down. Congrats, you're man. You're the gold medal. Yeah. You're, in the, you're in the driver's seat. Do you remember who won it last year? Do you remember who won gold <laughs> oh, man. in Budapest? Um... Uh, I can't pull the name. I can't pull the name. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Jason does not remember. That's what it is. Antonio Watson, of course, who came in with a lifetime best much lower, I will mention, than what what he ran, what uh, Morales Williams just ran. So not impossible. Where are you at in terms of the electronic blocks uh, rule currently? Uh, How do you feel? We could get we get people to write in on that too after the right. long jump. Right? Yeah, I mean, I down. you know, hey, it's it matters for the sixty for sure. Um, do I care about the four hundred with electronic blocks? Uh, I do not. That's my that's my take. That's just my no. You're going yeah. no. I think you gotta have the got gotta have the standardized. Why doesn't the SEC right. championships have the cool blocks? The S the SEC. Okay, if we're talking about entities that conduct track meets. Does the Southeastern Conference, is that the richest entity that right. conducts? Yeah. I guess the IOC. But yeah, the right? SEC, yeah. But the SEC makes a lot of money. The SEC makes a nope. lot of money. Not from track, but SEC, as an entity, makes a ton of money. Of all conferences, the SEC could have the best blocks 
you've ever seen. Because anybody who has seen the ads know it just means more. Right, Jason, of course. That's, it just means more. That's what we're led to believe. Unless you set a world record, then it doesn't mean anything, apparently. <laughs> it, means, it means you're the it's true. ancient record holder. Surpassing not another the person holder, but it's run who's the not the world time record ever. holder. Um, gotta love it. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a world best party going on over there. Um, Noah Lyles in the news. He's run yeah. World Indoors this weekend in Glasgow. We'll talk about that later. But what made news was the contract renewal with Adidas. And not the contract renewal so much as the claim that it is, quote, the richest contract in the sport of track and field since the retirement of Usain mm. Bolt. That's Usain St. Leo Bolt. Uh but we don't know because let me read the, let me read this paragraph yeah. from John Galt's article in Let's Run. The most interesting part of the announcement was Global Athletics, that's the Lyles' agent agency, assertion that Lyles' new deal is the richest contract in the sport of track and field since the retirement of Usain Bolt. Uh and then John adds parenthetically, it was not specified whether richest is defined in terms of overall value or in terms of average annual salary. That's a big claim to make considering contracts are not public. Wetmore, who's the agent, declined to discuss that claim or details of the contract with Let's Run.com, citing the NDA. Sure. Yeah. So, let's... Can, you, can, you, can you make the claim if you don't? Like, I was reading as soon as I saw the headlines – I saw it. There's no way the number right. is actually released. Yeah, because it never is. There's no because the number never gets released. Degrasse's number got released some with with some good reporting, but it never is released. And then everybody had to put. However, the number was not released. Well, then how did how is the claim made? I I have no doubt that that the agents working behind the scenes have have an idea, but you got to put out yeah. a number at some point. Yeah, it's. I mean, and. <laughs> Like you said, I, that the grass one was a was an exception for sure, but it's so weird that it just like doesn't get announced. I mean, obviously, you watch most professional sports, and like it's this five seconds within the announcement that a player signs. I know the deals, I know the opt outs, I know the bonuses, um, I know that it's been deferred for the greatest baseball player in the world for sixty years, so that they could also sign the other best player in the world. Um, but yeah, this is just complete, just like, all right, well, I mean, I guess if I'm an agent, I'm just going to say, yeah, this is rich as sensible. Because no one's going to come out with a the number to prove a- me wrong. The next agent who re-signs any client should say, this is the richest deal surpassing their right? losses. Right, yeah, make them, <laughs> and just say make it. them just say release it. details just to prove you wrong. Everybody should say it uh, at this point. The next shot putter who signs a deal... Needs to say it's the most lucrative contract. I just listen. I, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to get uh, excitement around contracts and and interest, and it certainly did it with this because people started talking about it. But it just, I, I don't think you can say that unless you're prepared to offer up some numbers right. at some point. And then they say they can't because of the NDA. Well, then how do you know every single contract and and where's the proof? I mean, John says. Given Wetmore has been in the sport for more than 30 years and has represented Lyles, Gay, and Ry Benjamin, his agency wouldn't have been in a better position than most to make the claim. But still, they don't that, know every yeah. single contract, and they're not even saying what their number is. Um, the DeGrasse one was $11.25 million. Like I said, there was some good reporting that went into that. And also the, the specificity of the 2.5, that won me over, right. I'm going to be honest. If they just said... If they said $10 million, I'm like, I don't know. They might just be making stuff up. Webb's contract, back in the day, people found th- that that was reported. But, like, the, the DeGrasse one made sense. Um, it, the 11.25 was over – it wasn't no, per no. year. It was over a, a series of years. But if that worked out to, like, two or something – also, it wouldn't be that surprising that Lyles would get $2 million a year. No, is that a, is that a surprise? I, I don't think. Yeah, no. It's it's. I mean, we know that you know most runners don't make like crazy money. So, but Lyle's clearly, you know, one of if not the biggest star in the sport. Um, coming off a a big year, going into an Olympic year, um, looking really good. You know, hundred, yeah, two hundred, exactly. like all all the things yeah. line up to go. Yeah. yeah, 
it's odds are he should be one of a, the couple highest paid people in the sport right now. Yeah, so it goes through twenty twenty nine, yeah. and and you know John's estimation at the end, the suggestion he says is the new Adidas deal is worth somewhere north of two million per year. So if that's is that five years? Yeah, I guess six if I guess. you I, if it yeah, five includes this year. I don't know if it. Yeah. Yeah. So if so if you have yeah you have two or three million per year. I mean that that's not altogether that surprising, but if you say it's the richest contract since, also since I was since just the gonna say it, it does, Bolt, it's not saying Bolt's it does contract. It's saying since Bolt retired, so somebody before twenty seventeen. Yeah. So when it's, it's, Degrass signed his contract, it doesn't have to be higher than that because oh. that was prior to Bolt's retirement. Exactly. I like how they pinned it to a Bolt event, even though they just could no, have said no, a date. you always like, want to throw Bolt's name said, in if you can. Right. Well, this is like this is the high richest contract in the sport of track and field since the Cleveland Cavaliers' last appearance in the NBA Finals. Yeah, you could say that. That's you? a good point. That's... You could just come up with any sort of random historical marker and and throw it out there. Like this is the most lucrative contract since season two of Scrubs. Mm, that was a good one. I don't, I don't I don't know what year that was. That's no, yeah, a lot that was that ago. was a while ago. I, I would guess that was like I'm gonna guess oh five oh no oh six yeah be historical. But yeah, since the retirement of Usain Bolt, just since he retired. Nope, not him. <laughs> and we didn't recognize his retirement really till last year. So I don't know what to say. We kept thinking yeah, he was coming back. A, it's true. Could be anything. Uh more off the track, but related to track news, Michael Johnson teaming up with a agency sponsorship firm called Winners Alliance uh, to invest in track and field. A fan fo- they're calling it a fan-focused track and field league. There's some uh, quotes here. It says, I love the sport, and I owe everything I have to the sport. It's been a shame for me to watch over the last couple of decades since I retired and not be able to continue to provide the same amazing moments to people outside of just the Olympics. Um, so this group, Winners Alliance, they've worked previously in, in tennis and they've worked in cricket. Mm. <clears throat> um, and they've invested, according to Sportico, uh, seven figures, which is the largest investment in track and field. Since you say since the Since the birth... Of Natalie Portman. No, uh, I don't know. Just, just thinking random actress. Uh, yeah. So, what, what do you what do you think here? What is this? Just another initiative. We've t- definitely seen a lot of these come and go throughout the years. For sure. I mean, <clears throat> you know, having Michael Johnson attached to it helps. You know, uh, presumably just because, hey, it's Michael Johnson. He's one of the all time greats, right? Like that's. It, may, it makes it have a little more validity than maybe like the giant indoor track in Las Vegas, um, so so you feel Never. a little bit a little bit better about it. I mean, I would, and I think you know we would all want better track meets and it to work and like that, that's that, that's good for the sport, right? I mean that no one's no one would be mad at that. It's just people like you mentioned have tried that tried this before um, several times. How's the ATL league doing? I don't know, but it's. Yeah, this just doesn't seem to usually work. I'll be rooting for it, but yeah, I won't. I won't keep my hopes up. I guess. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I was watching track when Michael Johnson was around, and he was a mega superstar, obviously. But there were athletes struggling. Yeah. There were athletes struggling back then too. Oh, for sure. Now the the media environment was just way different than it is now, and I think that gave maybe it gave the impression that it was in a better spot than it is because now with all these you know millions of options and you can choose from any sport that you want to watch it's opened things up a lot more but i don't know like was when you hear about track being in the heyday i'm more familiar with talking about way back and the 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 60s and the 70s or right. the the shots of you know the the dream mile with the pack stands and banister versus landy that sort of stuff. I'm not. I don't associate 
the like the nineties with like an awesome era for for track and field. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I know he did well, but there's athletes <clears throat> that are doing well now too, and that that's still continued. I just that 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 part that part surprised me. I mean, they're gonna he's gonna work with Earth Sports on this, aka World Athletics. But I just don't know what's the move. What what is the move? Because we've certainly talked about every possible potential move. And then one episode later, two emailers and you and I come up with nine holes in the plan. Right. It's just not – I don't know how it – I don't know how it works. Now, as I mentioned, this group used to work with the – it's the for-profit arm of the Professional Tennis Players Association. And they also represent athletes. It says last month uh, they signed a deal with the Federation of International Cricketers Association. Um, I just – I mean, the, the quotes that are on here, uh, they're not going to go that much into specifics, I know, but it's not – we need to put the athletes front and center. It's, it's, like, we, that happens. That's what – they've, they've been trying to do that forever. It's just That's just the goal. And, oh, the other sports do this. Well, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious what the actual plan will be. I'm get, what do you think this is? Like when you read the article, is this, this is a series of meets? Yeah, it's it's hard to, <clears throat> and that's what I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of waiting for is right is, is is the details because is it just hey this is the new brand of meats we're gonna try and we're gonna have this set you know it's because like I said we've we've kind of seen this version a few times before. I just yeah I would love to know to know the twist or or the you know the the difference that they're going for. Um, okay, it says here create new entertainment platform also help track and field athletes commercialize their rights. I mean, these are all. I like that. These are all good things. I just don't know what that means. Commercialize their rights. Also, I think people will be in a rude awakening when they just. There's so many athletes, and being able to commercialize all of their rights is and get a big number from them is going to be really hard. I there will be few that obviously get get a lot of eyeballs, but there's a lot that are just lost in the masses. I just was it two years ago. No, more than that. Drive to Survive came out, and then everybody's like, "We need a Drive to Survive. We need a dra- track needs this, track needs that." And then they talked about how they were filming some athletes for Drive to Survive. Have you logged on to Netflix lately and seen how many of those shows there are now? Every oh yeah, pretty much every sport has one. So even if tr- I think it would still help, like I'm still all aboard that idea. Um, but it wouldn't. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't hurt because you're getting track on a different platform. I just I'm saying that wasn't. That show was great because of the specific characters and storylines that were featured, and it tied in really well with what that sport had going on. All these other sports that are now copying it and doing it, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't hear people talk about it at all. That's that's for sure. It's not getting the ratings that that Drive to Survive was. Is it driving more people to pay attention to their sport? I, maybe. I just think all of our interests now are so segmented and broken up into a thousand little pieces. Some people don't even see like those shows don't even pop up when they log on to Netflix because they're getting fed a completely different array of things just like on YouTube. So to get it in front of people who don't ordinarily consume it is, is really challenging and, and keep them interested is even more challenging. Everybody will – there will be something that goes super-duper viral that people will see. But there's – it's just very hard to, to break through that – the algorithm to, to get it into a non-track for person's like – like on their screen. I just think it's very difficult. You know what I'm saying? Like – Oh, no. How it, many, yeah, I mean it definitely is. I think – One more – hold sorry. One more thing. Yeah, please. How much college basketball do you see on your various social media feeds? Very little, right? Because you just don't. Kate, Caitlin Clark is pretty much right. Because you don't follow. That's the way I like it. You don't. Yeah, you don't follow those like accounts, right? So it basically doesn't exist to you as yeah. a sport. Meanwhile, you're subscribed to twelve different Doctor Who fan pages. So anytime anything is announced in the Doctor Who, not Doctor Who universe, <laughs> to you it's the biggest thing. Like there's going to be like a national holiday or international holiday, I guess. To, to announce who's going to be the next character. I don't know. I ran out of Doctor Who vocabulary. But yeah, you get what I'm no, saying? That's fair. But, yeah. But so, so there's these yeah. sports that just don't even exist for me and you and everybody else because we can't track all of them. Anyway, that's all I was going to say. Go ahead. 
No, no, and I, I think you're you're definitely right in the sense of, yeah, I mean, you could do whatever you want on social media, but like you said, if it's something I don't follow, cricket, okay. I don't see anything on cricket from my timeline. You know why? Because I don't follow cricket. I don't know anything about it, et cetera. <clears throat> so I don't, I, I just don't think you can make, like I said, outside of those, those rare um, viral moments, you, you just can't make much headway there. I, I guess like this, the drive survive thing is where I think you could actually do something just because I think there are people who just like those types of shows. So it's like, Hey, I watched drive to survive. I watched <clears throat> the quarterback one. I watched the PGA tour one. Uh, there's, I'm sure there's a tennis one. Oh, okay. There's a running one. I'll give this a shot. Like, I, I actually think that you have a much better chance of that happening than even any random meet outside of the Olympics. Like someone stumbling on it on Peacock, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, cool. Diamond League. Like, I, I'm just going to check this out while they're scrolling through the office and parks and rec, right? Like, that's it's not going to happen Mm -hmm. but i do think with with something like netflix or something like that there's at least a chance that you could draw some eyes and then certainly this would have been the time though leading up to the the olympics right i mean if you were going to do it it would have been hey let's start it in march it should should already be happening is what you're saying i mean yeah yeah but like oh no the filming should already be yeah should 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 be going but like yeah it it would be the build-up here and i and like i said again we've said it a million times track's never gonna be mainstream it's just not realistic but i do think that's a possible way to actually get some get some extra eyes on it does the numbers because i never in a million years would have guessed like a ton of my friends give a really give a crap about formula one like it's weird yeah but they do but how long is that gonna last i don't know it's been a couple at least a couple years now that they're still really into it do you remember how into poker we were when we were in college because World Series of Poker was on TV, for sure. I don't know if that yeah. was like I, at Oregon at least, and that lasted. I don't know. I guess it depends on your group of friends. That lasted like ten years for me. I knew ten guys' names. I could still name those people to you. That's yeah. that's how Chris Moneymaker. Exa- sure. Exactly. Yeah. Your boy, your guy. Who's your guy? What's your guy's name? You golf with him? Uh, oh, Phil, Phil Ivey. Yeah. Yeah. And the, there's the other Phil. There's this guy. There's that guy. Helmuth. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. They're all stuck in my head for just because, whatever reason. Be, because you watched four hours of it a day in 2005 that's why and yeah. you probably watched it and uh, the next and you watched the reruns or anything like that and it, that came out of nowhere a great background show like you're doing anything else and it's just all it was perfect, right? I mean, and, was and, it, perfect. and it met the moment and i think the same thing with with f1 now poker ran into some other issues i think too maybe f1 will avoid those but it's it also just yeah it's sort of a unicorn in that sense i don't everybody wants to say that you can copy and paste this formula onto every other sport and that's just not true because if it was then people would have already done it does the number seem low to you and i don't know how over how long a period of time but they say seven figures and i, I did the math in my head that the max you could get with seven figures is you, you're still you're still short of of 10 million short of 10 million which yeah. doesn't doesn't seem like a ton when you factor in all the athletes that are involved and and all the events uh, you know, my thing, right, you and I talked about it, lead up to the Olympics, lead up to Worlds, pick a couple events, and they're racing every single weekend for everybody to see. And you're building up rivalries, you're building up back and forth, back and forth nature of, of sport that everybody loves, and you have a, a winner and a loser. Um, Ten million for that? I guess you could do it for, for one event, but for more than that, you're probably going to get some of the big-name athletes – uh, asking for bigger and bigger checks depending on how many times they're going to compete. Because what I'm thinking of is, yeah, or maybe not every weekend, but every other weekend in in April, May, and then maybe into June. So you're seeing, like, Sha'Carri Richardson run against Sharika Jackson and Shelly Ann Fraser-Price and Elaine thompson hurrah and Julian Alfred and, you know, whatever. You, you get those eight and you just run it back and run it back and run it back. Maybe change the event a little bit with the sprints so that way you make it work, but make it a little different. But that's that's the things that I think would catch on because then that person is just in on your TV over and over again over a short period of time so then people can't forget them, like Phil Helmuth. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason we should still know that name. But we didn't. No, we do. absolutely not. I haven't haven't watched poker in yeah, I don't know, a very long and time. And why would you? Um, why would you? 
Right, exactly. Like now, it's it's so seems so silly in retrospect. And I, you know, hey, hey, if buddies wanted to go play poker tomorrow, I'd be like, that sounds fun. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I. The thing with with this league, and you know, whatever. Like I said, you got you got seven figures, which you know can be a lot of money. But to put on meets and prize money in this economy, and if and if you, were, I mean, the bottom line is to do this successfully, you need stars. That's that's it. You cannot do any of this without the stars it's like the one thing people care about um so if you and stars cost a lot of money right entry fees what prize money whatever it is um so yeah i mean seven figures you know could get you through the year for sure but i i don't know i guess it's yeah how how are how else are you making the money obviously you know i know those ads and all the other stuff but like I'll be I'll be really interested just to see if it's if there's something else here that maybe we're just we're not thinking of. I mean that's that's my hope at least because if it's if it's going for the same thing that we've seen a bunch of times, I just you know I just don't think it's gonna work. I think it could help elevate a group of athletes. It's just a matter of how big that group is. Anyway, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Finish. Finish. No, no, I, yeah, right. I mean, exactly. I guess it just depends, and it just depends how good those athletes are, right? I mean, you could focus on a group of athletes, but if only one of them, you know, makes an Olympic final, I don't know. Then, what, you know, I, you you could focus on somebody who's like, oh, okay, yeah, and then and then they finish fourth at USA's, and you're like, well, cool. Yeah, exactly. Also, they already have the eyeballs on the biggest meet of the year. You're working backwards trying to figure out how yeah. to get them interested in all the other stuff, which is, which is a tough sell because the and everybody always cites the Olympic numbers and how many people watched, and of course that's never going to change. That's not an issue. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not the problem. The problem is literally everything else. All right. Speaking of big name events where medals will be handed out, not the Olympics. No, no, no. I'm talking about Jason's favorite bi-annual <laughs> event. That's right, World Indoors this year yeah. taking place in Glasgow, Scotland. Got some good races here, Jason. We're going to get that uh, rematch between Noah Lyles and Christian Coleman in the 60. Yep. You got you know, Carson Warholm running, Femke Bowl, obviously Grant Holloway. You have a real good 3,000. With I'll say a couple, yeah, the men and women, like the, the kind of middle distance. Like, you know, there's, there's at least good depth there. Yeah, you got Borrega, you got Nagoose. And you have Josh Kerr, uh, yeah, three thousand uh, in the fifteen hundred. Well, the U.S. is going to have a strong team with with Kessler and Hawker. We'll see how good um, they do. Nordas, your guy, top top two Norwegian. I think we're saying is that correct? Yeah, latest, I think uh, absolutely. You know, latest Nigerian or Nigerian, <laughs> latest Norwegian uh, rankings. So I I guess. Which which one's the top? I, I mean, I I got to be honest. Even though sixties aren't really that exciting, I'm I'm in on the Lyles v Coleman. I, I agreed. Yeah, I, I think it's it's rare because yeah, I feel like usually even like you know Coleman dominated for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that Lyles you know beat him in a in a very close race last time, um, you know Coleman knows like this is his event, mm-hmm. and that Lyles the longer it gets. You know, the more Lyles is going to beat him, and if he can't beat him here, he has no chance of beating him outdoors. Um, so that's really good. Akeem Blake there too, like just, I mean, has run you know a hundredth slower than Coleman too. So maybe those three. Um, I think that's, I think that's really good. And then yeah, those distance races um, are 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 kind of deep, where you know you could see some something fun there. And then you know, the, kind of the Warholm Bowl mm-hmm. uh, in the four hundred. I I'll just enjoy that because they should both yeah, win. It's always fun. They should both win. Correct. Bull, yeah, a hundred percent. Warholm, yeah, I don't see. I mean, let's see. So the, I mean, the best seed time is forty five, forty seven. Um, what type of blocks? That's well, that's a good point. None of these have been ratified apparently. So actually, no one has a seed time. It's weird. <laughs> Asterisks um, everywhere. Yeah, Warholm should win. Yeah, he should win. Um, Dream Richards is in their race. Huh? He's still around. That's interesting. Love it. Love it. What uh, – okay, here's a, here's a low – well, not low-key race. This is actually not a low-key race. We didn't mention it yet. Uh, women's 3,000. Gudoff Sagai, Jessica Hull. Yep, it's really good. Uh, St. Pierre, Meshesha, Beatrice Chepkoic, and then our Laura 
running Love. at home, at home, on Scottish soil. <laughs> yes, Jace. Scottish soil situation. It's big. This is a big moment for her. Can she get it? Hundred percent. Yeah, I. I so guys, like one of, you know, maybe two people that I might not <laughs> wouldn't pick Muir to beat probably um, in these races. But uh, I, she's gonna she's gonna put on a show. She'll she'll be there. With a with a lap to go, it's just a matter of if if she can hold on. In her career, but that's I, I mean that's you know what do you think five people there like that that's like legitimately really good. Yeah, in her career, she's got European championships, she's got European indoor championships, she's got European cross country championships, she's yeah. got Commonwealth championships, but world indoors she's got a silver and a bronze from Birmingham. Outdoors, she's got a bronze from Eugene. Yep. Olympics, she's got a silver from Tokyo. So yeah. this will be her first global gold. Also, according to Wikipedia, while I'm here, her <laughs> club, you know what her club is? Dundee Hawkhill Harriers. Oh. Okay. Love it. Love the name. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in. I, you know I'm rooting for, for our Laura. I mean, just especially when she's at home. You know, you got to root for the, for the home. The crowd will be going nuts for her. Do they make gear? Dundee. I hope so. See, this is we talked about the jerseys. No, dude, the clubs, like the hometown. I mean, yeah, clubs. I would love some good club, yeah, running club shirts and stuff like that. Oh, this logo, I like this. But there's no teeth. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, I would buy this. I would walk around with a Dundee Hawk Hill Harriers. No, it's just Dundee Scotland, and then it's, all these look like touristy things. Like the logo is cool. Let's see. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Uh, pulling it up. Oh, here's oh, see, Mir's running in the jersey in one of these pictures. Okay, and it's a hawk. It has a cool hawk on it. Yeah, I think it looks nice. The British jerseys they they take the kit a lot more seriously than we do. A lot of stripes, multiple colors. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've had the same kit for like two. No, I just meant Americans in general. I'm not even talking about. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Americans just in general. It's I'm bored by it. Talk about collegiate jerseys and like they all follow the same pattern. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, get weird with it. It's fun. Yeah, if anybody has access to any Dundee Hawk Hill merch, message us. I'd like to uh, purchase some. Thank you very much. Um, club shop. Oh, here we go. Oh, is there a shop? There is a club shop on the dundeehawks.co.uk. Can you get a book there? I'm looking for a book that I couldn't find in mm. New Zealand. Is that available? That's. I mean, I'm sure it is. Their web, this website's very slow. Um, or my computer is, more likely. $300. Oh, and then... Okay, go to this link to actually buy stuff, apparently. 20% of sales return to the club, so that's good. Oh, uh, let's see, we got we got beanies. Okay, that's good. Uh, I got club vest. By vest, they mean he- kit? Kit. Okay. Uh, headband, hoodie, long sleeve shirt, short sleeve shirt, towel, oh. backpack. Oh, how much? Stadium blanket, much? training log. I don't want that. I need the shirt. Shorts. Is it weird how water you bottle? how differently they use vest than we use vest? Because it's like it's true. Mo Farah in the blue and white vest. I always envision him actually wearing a vest, just like showing up. Also, apparently the Dundee Hawk Hill um, have been around for because it says 125th anniversary pin badge. So oh. they've been around for 125 years. That sounds fun. That's cool. I like it. Dundee Hawk Hill Harriers. Okay. Well, anyway, we need the connection. We need the discount. If yeah, if, go go to the shop. Go to the shop. Buy some stuff. Uh, all right. Now, what's the other event you want to talk about? Let's see. So we did the sixty, four hundred. You know, ta- pretty much that. I mean, Nagoose, Borrego. Yeah, Kerr. Yeah, that three K is really good. I mean, obviously Kerr's running really well, but Borrego and Nagoose. Wale in there too, like that. That's yeah. That could that could go. That could go. That's what I'm saying. I think the you know the th- both three Ks, men's and women's, are really good. Um, fifteen's good. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think you know the eights are kind of meh, but that's what I that. I think it's uh, who is this a who is this a must win for? Let's let's add some stakes here. A must win. Oh man. I mean Coleman. Yeah, you believe that? I do. Yeah, because I just don't, I just don't think 
you know, I, I don't think Coleman's going to win the gold anyway. Like I said, if he can't beat Lyles indoors, he's zero percent chance outdoors. Yeah, I can't win in Munich for sure. Exactly. Um, I believe they're one in hundred at the trial, so I mean, that <laughs> gives forty more meters for Lyles to close on Coleman. Like that's, I, mean, I just, you know, if, if this again, and Lyles has run two two really good sixties uh, in a row, does another one here, wins gold. Like yeah. I mean, then he's. Uh, you know, he's a big favorite, not big favorite, he's a favorite for, for the 100 already. Um, this would just add to that. I didn't expect that direct response uh, from my stupid question, but you just, but you I, didn't blink. I, it's the only one. Yeah, it's literally the only answer. It's the o- literally the only one in the meet that I'm like, yeah, I actually do think that's like a, like a must win. Like, because, you know, Coleman, like, expects to win a gold medal. Yeah. Or what about in, Bull? In indoors especially, and he wants to win a medal in general. And I think, yeah, he has to be really, really good at the 60. Because we know he doesn't close as well. What about Bull? Yeah, I mean, Bull, I'm more just excited to see how fast she can go. Um, you don't think she has to win this? No, definitely not. Um, Dang it. Uh, Clover's in there, who's. Yeah, she good. should beat her. She's big fan. I mean, she should, but like, that's the. I would say that's, you know, the only one who would like kind of, you know, make, make it interesting, maybe. Um, but I, I would be shocked if she lost. She just ran, f- f- what, 49. Yeah, one or something. World, I mean, world's record. Yeah, with so blocks. Like, yeah, she's. I think she's gonna go sub forty nine. Uh, women's sixty, Alfred, top seed. She's running under seven. This year. She only won under seven this year. Yeah, Hobbs and Swoboda. And... Swoboda's back. Yep, love it. Gotta love that. Is Richard Kilty running? Is he? Oh man, I didn't even see, but no. If he can find his shoes. Uh. <laughs> Back to the scene of the crime. Andre DeGrasse is, though. Is he really? Yeah, he's down here on the thing a little bit. So. Oh, in the 60. Cool. Yeah. Well, it should be it should be fun. Starts Friday in Glasgow. Goes three days. So enjoy that, and then we'll be uh, well, we'll have NCAA indoors, but then we'll be beyond outdoors. I I <laughs> yeah I do think we always oversell the importance of the 60, but I think. Coleman. This is like the one time Coleman I'm actually won. like really. Coleman really wants that, as he should. Like that's his. Is it a must win for Holloway? Because he's never lost. Yeah. Before. Like that would probably be the most devastating loss of anybody, right? Like he's, I th- he'd lose his streak. I think it's a must win for Holloway be- and for all of us because the world will stop turning if Holloway loses a 60 meter hurdle. So that means we're all in trouble. Like, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. It's one of the twelve signs of the apocalypse. Yeah, right? exactly. I just watched that movie. The the. Julia Roberts and uh, Ethan Hawke and oh man, the world and what's the ah, darn it? Leave the world behind, you know. Oh, I never saw. Oh, that. you never seen? It? Okay, yeah. I, oh, it's, oh, it's newer. Okay, I think some of that stuff. You're impressed? I saw a new movie. Uh, I, a little bit. Don't worry, I watched it on my phone on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I just don't. I it, like when you say Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke, my mind immediately went to the '90s. No, like, and Mar- Marshall Ali too. Uh, I liked it. Uh, other people didn't, but I very uh, something goes wrong. World is spinning out of control. Uh, a bunch of electric cars crash into each other. That's what would happen if mm. Grant Holloway lost. We just wouldn't. Yeah, I, that's fair. <laughs> you got to see the movie to really understand my joke. Trust me, it's a okay. it's a good one. There's at least and maybe just one other person who's watched it who's listening to this show right now. So write in houseofartgmail.com and tell me that you appreciate that reference. All right. I think we're ready for emails. Speaking of the email address, unless there's more. So Mondo, Krauser, we didn't really talk about field events, but those two are going. Uh, I mean, men's 800. There's only, gosh, it's a pretty small field. I was to say, I, when I even looked at the thing, I was like, oh, wow, this is. Oh, wait, no, it's not that small. Never mind. There's a second page to it. Okay. Well. Oh, no. Well, it's 30. Yeah, I guess. 30. Oh, okay, so that's not that small. Maybe that was a different one that I was surprised at. How Fifteen guys in the three K. That's it. So. <clears throat> there we go. Maybe that was the one I was 45 thinking. Forty-five in the sixty hurdles. Uh, email houseofrunnergmail.com. Yeah. Should we do the long jump thing now, or do you want me to build up to it? <sighs> I say we go right into it. Right into it. Right. Make it the fourth topic. Here it is. Um, oh wow, we just, we. As we're recording, say, we, we got another I just one. saw that, yeah. One just came in. Us, uh, Kyle in California. Yeah. Nice to hear you. 
analogize the potential long jump changes to baseball. I see the potential changes similar to the new pitch clock in MLB. There are a lot of people who complain that baseball had never had a clock and never should, but game times had become bloated with dead time. The clock cut game time not by cutting play, but by decreasing the stuff that almost nobody wanted. I can fully understand that Carl Lewis, the man with possibly the best ever combination of jumping power and technique, would hate a change that minimizes one of his skills. He probably spent more time thinking about and practicing the perfectly placed takeoff than anyone ever. I also think he's right that most jumpers uh, fault too much because they don't focus on perfecting the process like he did. At the same time, the world moves on and fans don't want to see a bunch of faults. I find it more like the way the javelin was changed to limit flight or other changes in sports to adapt to equipment and tech changes than a fundamental betrayal. Of course, I'm just a former middle distance runner, so what do I know about jumps? Um, well, that's where we're coming from too, Kyle. So yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, here's... Kyle, uh, formerly from South Dakota, now House of Runs Milwaukee Bucks correspondent, currently yeah. celebrating Dame's three-point win and MVP at the All-Star game. <laughs> we are pretty sure that's the only hardware coming to Milwaukee this year. Yeah. So to test out the new long jump rules, let's get your opinion on how it would apply to other events. Triple jump and javelin are easy. Apply the same approach. Just measure from the spot of the takeoff or last step for javelin. Extra points for a flaming javelin. Why not <laughs> the same for shot, discus, and hammer? Just measure from the furthest spot forward for the thrower how about high jump and pole vault we now you could now use technology to measure a high mondo jump with a bar there or not use a laser to measure the highest spot that was completely cleared by all body parts this does make it harder to improve in the world record by one centimeter each time so we may need to change mondo's contract structure <clears throat> now let's get fun let's not worry about false starts in the hundred or devon allen the hurdles just measure the time from out of the blocks to crossing the finish line you've already covered the best one handoffs relays relays anywhere I admit the 100 gets challenging, as all the rest are not competed against alongside another competitor, but all the others seem to be pretty close to the same reasoning as a long jump. Speeds up the event, all tries will count, etc. The high jump and pole vault would be much shorter. I can imagine it being treated just like the long jump, take your prelim jumps, and then the top six or eight get three more jumps in the finals. We may get a Diamond League meet done in one hour. <laughs> and hello to the weight superstar, Richard from Chicago. Love the pod. Great job. That's Kyle. Uh, okay. I can read another one. Oh, I, I can read just, another one. Let's get weird with it. Do you want me to read another one or no? On the same topic, or do you want to talk about that one now? Oh, we can talk about that one now, I guess, and give you a, give you a break in between reading. Um, All right, I'm going to lay down. Right? It's, I, I couldn't do it. I know I'd need the break because, you know, I stumble over everything. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, obviously you could easily kind of take it to the next step. Certainly stuff like triple jump, you know, it's pretty straightforward javelin i guess you could say you know certainly the same thing shot discus hammer i mean they have their little circle but i guess you know depends how weird you want to get with it obviously the high jump pole vault you know it's i see how you get from a to b um you know i i i don't know i i would guess the vast majority of people would say that's a bridge too far uh but granted i think the long jump's a slight bridge too far but uh i don't know what, what are your what are your thoughts Okay, so he's right with the the hundred. It's just different when you're competing against other people. Yeah, that's apples to oranges. So let's talk about the other events. When it comes to the throws and the triple jump, I just I don't think they foul as much. And John Rigid in the release, it just look at all these fouls. It's like nobody wants to see all these fouls. And in general, I just think there's more attention paid to the long jump than there's going to be the triple jump. So I think they're going to be willing, more willing to try things um, than they are with, with the triple. Or maybe that's an argument the other way, right? Maybe, maybe they should test it out with the triple jump. But I just think they, they just want to cut down on the, on the frequency of fouls and make it more fun. Uh, when it comes to the high jump and the pole vault, Right. Let me. I'm gonna paraphrase. This, this is gonna make sense. Just wait a second. But we were talking about Parks and Rec earlier. I'm gonna paraphrase Ron Swanson. Turkey can never beat cow. Boards can never beat bar. A bar is cool. Mm. I can't explain yeah. why, but a bar is cool. There's drama in a bar, seeing if it's gonna fall down. A, yeah. a board, aka a long jump board, that you're trying not to foul off of. Not not as cool. It's not as interesting. Not as dramatic. Mm. Oh, look, his foot was an inch over. That's not as cool as watching the bar go back and forth, wiggle a little bit. Mm. 
and then hang on for dear life as Mondo falls to the ground in hopes that it doesn't tumble <laughs> off the standard. Right? That's just yeah. that's just that's just it. Turkey can it's never true. be cow. Board is never going to be bar. So I I I think while we do have the technology to measure how high they can go, I think the bar there builds up the drama um, in a positive way. And again, this is all just a matter of taste. You could say, no, it doesn't. I want to see that. Or you could say the, the fouls build up the, the, the drama and the long jump. Um, yeah. I, I also just feel it, it seems more connected to the event, even though, again, people have been jumping that way for eons in the long jump, but having that bar there, having that physical idea of what you're trying to clear I think makes sense from a viewership perspective. Yeah. You know, I think it is, I think it is fair to say, yeah, you did. You can't the bar, the bar to me, I agree. I like, it matters more. Like, even though I'm more on the side of the, of the old school long jump, I, I think that like, if you take away the bar, then you get Aaron, then you would have to crown Aaron Gordon, the long, the high jump champion um, a few years <laughs> back. And that would be I'd be a little dis you know I'd, I'd be upset about that even though you know hey great dunker um, him and Zach Levine going at it was was pretty awesome but can't can't I can't support that I love the way you keep bringing that back we got more on the long jump uh, here's Noah in Oregon yeah uh, see so talked to a lifelong jumps coach last week he pointed out the te- the technology needed to measure the jumps from the point of takeoff instead of the board is so expensive that normal high schools could not be expected to buy those devices. We need a tape measure and a volunteer. That's it. He also went on to explain that jumping from the board selects a certain kind of jumper, one who is skillful when it comes to their approach and also good during the actual jump. That, along with the landing, makes a good long jumper. Taking any part of that out of the equation actually reduces the number of people who can be successful in the sport. It becomes a chest of brute jumping power. For example, if you remove the three-point line in basketball, would that allow more people to succeed at the sport? Of course not. Well, DeRozan would become more valuable, wouldn't he? <laughs> That's true. Adding a skill to a sport just makes it more likely that someone will find a way to be good at that skill. I like the fact that jumpers have to live in fear of scratching on all their qualifiers and being out of the competition. It creates tension and makes the event better. Just having a straight jumping contest is less interesting and less suspenseful because we usually know right away who is the best raw talent in most events. That is also why we like tactical 1500s with a lot of racing and boxing in and sharp elbows and people making moves. We could just have each runner run a 1500-meter time trial on their home track and select the fastest ones to be the winner, but we like the extra skills of tactics and kick and positioning. Those skills are not really about who's the best pure runner, but makes the sport better. So please tell earth sports to leave the long jump alone. Noah in Oregon. Okay. But I mean, to say that, yeah, to that, say I, that just the yeah. best person is going to win every single time because we've decreased the technical aspect of it. I, I don't, I'm, he's basically describing Ingebrigtsen's in the 1500, like what he tried to do the last two times. It didn't work. He tried to make it, uh, super duper fast and and the best guy on paper didn't win right the hundred has upsets in it and yeah there's a technical element with with the start but there was definitely years of Usain Bolt dominance and people like the dominance I just don't think people at War Athletics whose job it is right now who are on this task force to make the event more interesting or try something new are interested in the argument that it's going to limit the amount of people who could be successful they're just they're worried about the people who are successful at it that that's what i think because that's their job they're not worried about it on, on the on the basic level they're worried about a television product which and he's saying he likes it more that way that's fine i don't know if he's in the majority though or if anybody yeah, even I, cares I, maybe not even that many people have an opinion <laughs> except our friend chris who gets surveyed every meet he goes to by world athletics yeah, I mean, I think I come down kind of in the same spot as here, where it's just, yeah, I, I like that there's the next that extra skill element to it. Um, I think it, I think you're right. Yeah, you know, of course, <clears throat> not the best raw jumper will win every time. Of course not. But I do, but I do think it would absolutely um, decrease the amount. Like, like it become more, it it would become a more predictable event than it is now. I think. All right, here's another one. Uh, longtime friend Mike says, "Check out the long jump proposal in Section Four. Basically, a bracket-style competition 
but look at the details. I think I like this change. I do like the long jump as it is in all field events, but I really only enjoy them at championship events when they get their own dedicated stream. Usually the TV broadcasts just ignore them and take while the drama. This could be a way to make field events more fun within uh, within the way track and field is usually broadcast. Um, first of all, good to hear from you, Mike. It's been a while. Yeah, um, absolutely. Hold on. I'm looking number four here. Oh, no. Wait, what am I looking at here? It's a E4 at the... Yeah, this is this is a very long. It's a long forward. Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, Just trying to find the right spot. Field event tournaments, quarterfinals, one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. Oh, this is super long. I'm not gonna read all this, but basically, they have it says two two attempts. Um, but yeah, we've talked about this before. Where you have? I was like, is this the bracket thing that was brought up in the past? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't read all the specifics of this one, but the general principle aligns where you're going head to head and then choosing the. You know the the winner comes out of that, and then they move forward and they move forward. So it's a, it's more one on one type of matches. Um, here's another one on long jump. Jay Wilson, not a beach boy, formerly from Valencia, the Midwest, now from Ann Arbor. Drink. A wise man's one. A wise man once said, "House of Run." I'm pissed. I'm pissed because something I've waited years for is finally happening, and now it's being met with suspicion instead of a collective sigh of relief. I specifically wanted long jump to be measured from the takeoff zone. Take off within a legal zone for years. So when I heard about Earth, Earth Sports testing the potential change, I was immediately excited. While I would love to quietly enjoy this big step towards an oddly specific dream of mine, I now have to hear all the criticism of what I believe to be a complete and utter slam dunk. Below are the reasons why I believe this to be a great system with absolutely zero downsides. Uh, number one, I simply don't believe anyone who claims they actually care about the skill component of getting close to the board. When someone is discussing a great long jumper from the past, do they go into detail about how great they were at judging the distance they traveled in their 46-step approach? No. They talk about how far they jumped. Two, technology made this possible a long time ago, and I think we all just forgot to change how long jump works. Do we still use measuring tape? No. We use a freaking laser beams. So once we could accurately see how far behind the block the jumper took off from, why did no one say, hey, wait, so they actually jumped farther than we're saying they did? Are we worried about the job security of the board? Do we not want the person who jumped the longest to win the long jump? Three, making this improvement doesn't take away from the drama of the event like it does for the comparisons I've heard from the haters of this rule so far. One might ask, but Jay, would you want them to eliminate the reaction time component from the 100? No, because reacting fast is part of being fast, and eliminating this factor would be really hard and probably result in a weird world where the first person across the line isn't always the winner. But Jay, do you want – this is awesome rhetorical question time with Jay. I love it. Do you want them to measure how high pole vaulters and high, high jumpers go with lasers? No, because the format of these events is one of the most dramatic things in track and field, and measuring it with lasers wouldn't be as fun. Eh, see, he's kind of on my train of thought there of just yeah. a subjective mm -hmm. nature. If there was a safe way to convert long jump to a high jump format where jumpers have to jump progressively wider chasms or something, <laughs> ooh, with like crocodiles, that could be good. Uh, good. I think we can all agree that would be freaking awesome. I'm genuinely interested to see if any long jump purists out there have arguments against a system that will sway me. I never thought I would be swayed towards the state's camp, but this podcast proved me wrong on that account. Sorry for the long email based entirely on opinion. Thanks to the pod. Uh, P.S. After thinking about this while, a while, I will admit that the system would be hard to implement at and below the collegiate level, and having a laser versus non-laser record in long jump would be a bummer and a slight downside. Well, let me tell you about world records in indoor 400. I was just going to say, I was like, colleges can't get this stuff right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, there's I coached in a high school track when fully automatic timing systems were very prevalent, but we never had it, and we still had the meets i mean you yeah it would change the strategy of how you jumped i guess at the lower levels but yeah you just have to eventually adapt and when you would get to college hopefully there'd be the that system in place that would prepare you for it i mean high school yeah i guess doesn't that part doesn't concern me as at all for some reason maybe, maybe that's weird but like for me i'm just like well yeah then high schools will just do it the other way it doesn't doesn't really matter there's some high schools that don't have a shot clock in basketball, <laughs> and they have four to two games in state championships. It's is that true? Yeah, Oklahoma, there was Oklahoma high school state Ugh. championship that was four to two last year, maybe six that's to four. Horrendous. Yeah, yeah, that's. I would hire somebody to literally out loud just start saying the times, in lieu of watching a four to two game. What do you mean saying the times? Like have a stopwatch oh, that they're, they're just the going twenty four, twenty three. 
22. Oh, no, I don't think it's because they couldn't. Oh, maybe it's because it, it was a cost thing. But I just think they just didn't want it. They just didn't want it. That's it's not pure. I mean, yeah. And I guess it's not pure. Yeah. That's, what, yeah. But that, that, you know, so I, I'm not a traditionalist in every aspect, just, just some. But James Naismith didn't have a shot clock. Okay. Uh, let's go. Okay. We're to the non long jump part of the show. Uh, David <laughs> from Eugene, Chicago, and Providence, a.k.a. the Big Three. I uh, love the show. Just want to draw a harder line on whereabouts slash doping. It was said in the last pod that there won't be vacating of medals because the three whereabouts failures for Katir started after 2023 Worlds. Uh, this is true. I just feel like we should be harder on whereabouts and not naive about things. There's no good reason in 2024 to miss three tests. There's no good reason to miss a single test. What we don't have is transparency. Whereabouts are only made known if an athlete misses three tests in a year. I would love to know if Katir had any missed tests leading up to his 2022 or 2023 medals. I think all whereabouts should be public, first, second, third, yearly career totals. You're doping if you're missing drug tests. The sport, sponsors, agents, meets, is complicit in this. The second Katir can come back, he'll be allowed to compete, no problem, just like Christian Coleman was. It would be cool if meets didn't invite those runners, but that's the problem with a violation. It isn't treated the same as doping, but we don't have all the info. We don't know if this is his third missed test or 12th over a span of two years. That's my two cents. That is David. Um... Do you want to touch on that or do you want to keep going? Yeah, I, I think – I mean, I I, I agree. Uh, I think we've said before that, like, I think uh, all the tests should be public. I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, missed whereabouts stuff. I won't necessarily agree with, like, there's no good excuse to miss one test. Like, I just – shit happens. Um, So, like, one. But that's why it's three, right? Like, because there is no good reason to miss three. Like, that's – and that's why you get suspended multiple years for it. Um. You know, we've we've obviously had this conversation several times with Coleman, among others, um, and it's kind of crazy, right? I mean, like it's it's just one of those things where, um, yeah, you kind of have to weigh like, is it like, oh, this shouldn't they shouldn't be allowed to, um, they shouldn't be allowed to compete ever? Like, should we treat it like a full drug test? Like, I I I can see kind of both sides of it sides of it in that way because it's. You just don't know when someone's just being like negligent and like like just screwed up versus when there's they're like actively cheating, right? And if we knew that, then we could easily, you know, parse this out. But um Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm just not of the camp like, well, if you yeah, if you got if you did a, you know, got suspended for whereabouts, I hundred percent believe you're doping. Like I'm not quite there. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Brian emailed for me from Raleigh in Pennsylvania, but now from Boulder. Hey guys, Great. I was really impressed by Parker Wolf at ACCs this past weekend. Somehow this guy's a dark horse for NCAA's. He's run 354, closing in 153 at ACC, 737, practically solo in 1313. He looked really good closing down the last few laps of the mile in 3K. I think he's going to win something at NCAA's next weekend. Haven't seen declarations yet, but assuming he's doing the 5K, 3K double. All right, Brian getting early there with a pick. I love it. I like it. Uh, this is a good, uh, this subject line caught my eye. <clears throat> Organizing your showers around running. Okay. This, yeah. this is from uh, Steve. Salvite. I think that's how you pronounce it. This is the new Latin word for the pod to learn this time around. Love it. It's your standard hello in the plural. Hellos? Salvite. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So you may be able to tell by the subject that this email can surely be saved for a slower news day. However, I still want to pose this question to y'all and the house of and the podcast community at large. How much do you or did you organize your showers around your runs? You see, I'm currently in this battle to figure out when to fit my lifts in, and it all has to do with showering. I've been thinking about this a lot. Usually I'm a one shower per day kind of guy. And usually after a run is done is when the shower, the need to shower is triggered. I want to get lifting. I want to get lifting to be more routine for me, but I usually never feel like doing it immediately after a run. Let's see, I remember this was me with core. So I always consider doing it mm. as a night session. I usually run midday and ultimately the lift never happens mostly because I don't want to take another shower after lifting. Also, I get lazier as the day goes. As a small but related tangent, I recently started getting into the world of watching YouTube channels of elite runners. Kind of cool to see how open people are about their training now, whereas back in the 2000s and 2010s, it felt like workouts and schedules were more highly guarded secrets. Another topic for another time, perhaps. The whole reason I got inspired to write this email was because Adam Fogg was saying that he showers before running, and that blew my mind and sent me spiraling into an existential crisis due to realizing there were more branches on this decision tree of showers than I had ever thought to account for. Still in good fun. That is Steve. Great email. Great email. 
you have to shower after. Shower and pre-run is does insane. Like it's just a let's we we can all we can't all agree on long on long jump, but we can all agree that that's that's a crazy take, a, right? on a regular run. I could see showering before you go to a meet where you're gonna run in four or five hours or something, and you're gonna be yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. and you just, maybe it wakes you. I'm a morning shower guy though. Like that's maybe it wakes him up. Maybe it start yeah. like it starts some sort of process in his body that leads to good results. That, that right. could be it. You gotta shower every time after you run. It's not one of those yeah. activities where you lifting. Maybe you could get away with it for depending on, but you don't want to lift at night and then go to sleep. You just gotta shower. Yeah. You just gotta be okay showering multiple times. And yeah, and you do the the quick rinse off, like like you know, soap up, rinse off, shower, like after maybe lifting or or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's you know, it's not the maybe the full the full experience, but you just kind of. Make sure you're, you know. Make sure you're clean. Like nothing, nothing crazy though. Cause I, cause I get that. Like I, if I'm a, I'm a morning shower guy. I always shower in the mornings. Um, yeah. And then if, but if I work out in the afternoon or something like that, yeah, then I just take a quick, you know, three minute shower. It it it's one of those tasks that feels harder than it is. Cause you're like, oh, I gotta go to the shower. But when you just do it, you're like, that was it. That was all. Yeah. I just needed to walk into the room and turn the knob, and then I would be. All clean. That's it, and I'd feel much better. I'm like you. Morning showers. I I don't feel I can take a shower at night if I've worked out or did something, but then I'll still need to take one in the morning. It just I don't feel yeah. right going about my day without having one in the morning. Now, I remember when I went to college, it was strange because I only ever ran either we ran first thing in the morning, we ran after school. In which case we'd run after school and then I'd go home and, and then shower. Or in the evenings at a meet. That was it. And then I went to college and I was trying to squeeze in runs between classes. So oftentimes I'd run in the middle of the day. But I had a class in the morning. So say you have a 9 a.m. class and then you have another class at, at 3 p.m. And you're going to run in the middle of the day. Well, since I'm a morning shower person, I have to shower when I wake up. And I'm not going to go to class without showering. That just seemed weird for me. Yeah. Nowadays, I don't. I don't know if I'd care, but when I was 18, I did. Uh, yep. And then after your run, you're gonna shower. And I remember talking to my dad, like my first year being conv- like, "Wait, wait, what do you? Wait, what? He's like, "If you run a lot, you're just gonna shower a lot. Just how it is. <laughs> just like just, yeah. just just pack a towel in your bag, rent a locker at the gym, and then shower off, and then go to the library or go get lunch, and then go to class. And it's just like, whoa. And I I think that's just what if you enjoy the feeling of taking a shower, I don't think it's it's bad to do multiple showers a day. Um, and you shouldn't cut out your workouts because you don't want to do showers. Yeah. Don't do that. Which I get it though. Like, yeah, it's, it's, and sometimes, I mean, for me, I won't speak for, cause everyone who listens to the show is more motivated than I am. Like, yeah, you get, you get in that point where it's like almost an excuse, right? It's like, oh, and if I do that, I have to shower and it's just 100%. Like a good reason not to. 100%, yeah. And so it's just like, yeah, don't, don't let that be it. Yeah. Don't let that be it. Uh, all right. We got. Is it just one more? I think we're down to one more. Oh, two. Oh, three. Oh, four. Darn it. Okay, nice. we're gonna leave. We're gonna, we're gonna have to leave. So we have an update. Um. Okay, I'm gonna read Dan from New Zealand, and then we're gonna save because it's, yeah. it's an update on the book. We need more updates on the book for sure. But then we'll get uh, we'll get Cap Medi next week. Um, and we'll get Noah. Which Noah is this? This is New York Noah. Uh, and we'll get our Laura next week. Um, okay. But we'll, we'll close here with with uh, Dan from New Zealand. Uh, hi, guys. At your request, I have tried to gauge the knowledge of the New Zealand public to determine why the Snell biography, No, Bu- no Drums, No Bugles, has previously gone out of print. Your request yeah. was to survey 100 people, but without being able to include sheep and hobbits, I unfortunately struggled to reach that target. <laughs> I have, however, managed to ask five workmates. I'm no statistician, but I'm pretty sure that's a high enough sample size to extrapolate out to the entire population. By this method, I have determined 40% of New Zealanders think he had something to do with sailing. 20% think he might work in the finance team. 20% went to a high school on a street named after him. 20% knew he was a runner and held the world record, but then also believed they had witnessed the event, which would require them to be at least 40 years younger than they look. 
By these numbers, it still looks to be a bit of a mystery why the book has gone out of print, although my hunch is that it is very much a product of the 1960s and opinions on threshold training, cigarette advertising, and the safety of baboons on safari have moved on a bit. I'm happy to pass on my copy of the book to Taylor once I've finished reading. It seems only right that the book ends up in the U.S. just like the man himself. Thanks heaps, Dan from New Zealand. This is good news for Taylor. This can happen. See, this is the best. This is this is why an anniversary gift. The show is great. Yeah, let us know. Jason will pay the shipping, and then we'll ship it back too. I will. I absolutely will. <laughs> it's terrific. It's terrific. Yeah, this is just this is see, this is like what what's better, the plot of what we're doing with this book, or leave the world behind? Uh much much more satisfying ending with with what we got going on than leave the world. Okay, behind. good. No spoilers, but. Yeah, no, I just, you know, kind of, kind of, I don't know anything about it. So I'm just, yeah, I'm wondering, it. can it live up to <laughs> no bugles, no drums? Uh, oh, I thought you meant the story of us getting the book, not the actual story in the book. Is that what you're Oh, no, no, that's what I meant. Yeah. No, no, I meant the story around this, you know, the exchanging of the book and trying to get it to the, get it to, you know, the right people like that. That That's the part. Yeah. I haven't read the book either, though. So I guess, you know, I could be great. Yeah. Could be terrific. All right, houseofrun at gmail.com is the email address. We will uh, talk to you guys next week. Enjoy World Indoors. Uh, send us your emails. Uh, we'll discuss them on the next pod. Recap all the results from Glasgow. If you're at the meet, send us an email. Let us know how it went. We'll talk to you guys next time. Jess Gannis. I hope another. Oh my God. <laughs> hope another world record doesn't get ratified this weekend.